Yeah. What's good? What's good? Mic check, mic check. Oh, man. We are officially live for episode one. Welcome on in. Kicking the Real Podcast. I told y'all. I told y'all. Episode one, we're coming with a bang. We had it started off the right way. I got my brother, Tom Boger, MLS and US MNT insider for The Athletic. He's done a bunch of other great things. But Tom, man, thanks for coming through Kicking with me, man. What's going on, brother? Happy to be a part of it. I'm sorry that I that that coming big was was me for your first guest, but I I will say I'm I'm immediately impressed by the intro there because you got to have it right and ready to go on your first episode, and that's tough. I I feel too awkward trying to trying to come up with some shit like that. So yours yours went well, and I, and uh, well done is what I gotta say. You know, it's funny we workshopping, man. I actually have my buddies <laughs> working on some uh, some beats and some custom intros for me. So down the line, we'll make it different. But you know what I'm saying? We got We just gotta jump into it, man. We can't <laughs> much. Now, if you're not familiar with Tom, please tap in. Tom is Tom is the man. He's on top of everything in the MLS world, everything in the soccer world. He's breaking the news, transfers, pissing off your favorite teams and fans <laughs> and front offices, which we'll probably get into a little later, but. Uh, in all seriousness, man, great, great guy. I had the pleasure to to link up with a lot of different times around uh, MLS season. Does great work for the Athletic and and prior MLSsoccer.com. Not just somebody that you see on Twitter breaking news, also a great writer. <laughs> I appreciated the K. Cowell piece, man. That was super dope. So uh, keep up the good work. We'll make sure we link all of Tom's socials and all that good stuff in here. Now, Tom, when I say how you doing, I really want to know how you're doing because Tom is also now on YouTube. So he's doing great work there as well. I heard him the other day talking about he had an off day where he played football manager for a while, which doesn't shock me. There's no off time in sports. Yeah. And this is probably the busiest time for you. This flew <laughs> across the country. It was in Coachella, Invitational for the preseason tournament, back on the best coast of the country now. How you doing for real, man? You get enough sleep? You got three phones? What's it looking like? Is it is anybody okay? You know what I mean? That I think that's how I'd answer how I'm doing. <laughs> it's good. Um yeah, it was a lot of fun to be out in Coachella. Um, it's nobody's fault but my own that I'm too stupid to realize what apparently I, I searched um, the traffic from LAX to Palm Springs at at not the time I was going to be flying in. So I thought it was a two hour drive. So it turned out to be a four hour drive. So that that was fun after a six hour flight into LA and I, I rent a car, got getting phone calls because I, I purposely didn't do didn't even look into the free in-flight Wi-Fi. I was like, I'm just going to pretend this isn't an option and, and I can't be reached. So then catching up on a bunch of stuff just from landing that that six hours of bliss of not being on my phone to quickly, quickly punctured. And I'm like trying to stand in line for the rental car. And like I have somebody's calling me. I was like, dude, I, I don't want to be that guy who's talking on phone in, in line. Like I can text you like, all right, I'll find I'll call you when when I get my stupid car. So then it was like, all right, six hour flight. Let me get this this scoop real quick. Type it out on my phone and then make the four hour drive to Palm Springs. It's like this. You know, what am I doing? What am I doing? <laughs> legendary stuff man they don't call the man tommy scoops for nothing man. <laughs> a very appropriate nickname tom you a jersey guy right yes sir so let's start with this i have two quick questions one is how excited are you that the 2026 world cup final was awarded to medlife stadium in east rutherford new jersey <laughs> and two how upset are you that people are saying that the 2026 world cup final will be played in new york <laughs> first um Look, I'm happy as, as a Jersey guy, but like, oh, dude, I don't just like looking at a, a, at MetLife from afar. Just imagine being a German, Brazilian, Argentine, uh, Ivorian, any anywhere in the country, English, anywhere, sorry, in the world, and being like, are we playing this game in the middle of of an air conditioner at a in a parking lot? Like, what is going? On? Oh, 
does do trains work here? Not really, because MetLife Public Transit is, is a nightmare. So I'm very proud, but um, I'm looking forward to people figuring out uh, what the hell happens with that. And then nah, the second part, is, it's, it's just, it makes it more fun to just yell at people about, no, it's New Jersey, no, it's New Jersey. It's Jersey, man, it's Jersey. <laughs> Somebody has been to MetLife for some soccer games, for some concerts and all of the above. The only piece of advice I have is do not miss an exit on the Jersey Turnpike because you will delay mm-hmm. your commute for probably about an hour so and and also if you if you're taking an uber or a ride ride share um they're not going to know where to pick you up you're not going to know where to go it doesn't matter how long these these apps have been in service metlife is is terrible with figuring out where you're supposed to go and where they're supposed to direct cars so just go in it with with a little bit of patience if that's what you're gonna do that's it. Look at where else are you gonna get two East Coast kids <laughs> this far in advance for the World Cup final, man? Nowhere else, I promise you that. All right, let's jump into it. Before we get into the MLS stuff, I want to ask, what was your origin in soccer, man? Was it a certain team? Was it a player? Was it a moment? A relative? What was it that got you into the sport as a kid? Because it's always interesting to hear that backstory that has now led to you know this this awesome thing that you got going on. Yeah, soccer's been in my blood, man. Um, been playing ever since I could walk. My dad. Uh, was a three-year captain at Monmouth University. He's uh, 62 right now. He just got back from a over 60 elite tournament in Florida. So he's still playing until nice. he physically can't walk anymore. And that's kind of what I envision for my own future. So it's just always been kind of second nature to me. Um, thankfully, I say thankfully just because um, I should have rounded out some some more life skills. But thankfully, I figured out maybe when I was 15, like, hey, like this, look, man, look around at, at the guys who are like actual pro prospects. And then like, look at yourself. I don't, I don't think you're going to quite be that. <laughs> like, so um, I knew that like I stumbled into a journalism class when I was in high school and I was like, wait, dudes just get to talk and write about sports. And like, that's what I was like, yes, yeah, sign me up. It's great. Uh, so that helped a lot with clarity on like what I wanted to do. I played co- uh, soccer in college and knowing what I wanted to do really helped inform that. Like the first, the first school to recruit me didn't have a journalism program. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm just not going to go there. Right. Like, so I'm, I'm very happy that, I had that clarity because how like my, my sister, she went into college undeclared, like you'd like so many other people in the world who don't exactly know what they want to do or think they know what they want to do and they change their mind. So I was very lucky with that. That helped kind of streamline everything. So I went to a, a school in North Jersey. It was like 30 minutes outside of, of New York City. Shout out to Kane University. So that helped uh, with internships and everything else and just kind of being in that area rather than just, you know, rather than going to a bigger school in the middle of nowhere. Right. Like so. It was, uh, it, it was, you know, again, confluence of, of hard work and good luck is, is what I say for my basic answer for all this. But, but yeah, all these little decisions kind of help. That's fire, man. I love it. I love it. And you, uh, you're a Liverpool fan, correct? Yep. Yep. The, uh, the, the, the short one there isn't just like, I was like, wow, that team's really good. I like them on TV, which is fine, by the way, because that, that's, that is the American origin story for most people because there is no like local connections. Um, but one of my dad's teammates, playing men's league guy came to america when he was like 30 he had played in like he was liverpool born and bred he ended up playing in like the everton academy english youth national team his career didn't work out because of injuries he, he links up he's, he's playing like with my dad and, and they become really close he asked if he could borrow my dad's car to pick up his parents who are born and bred and live in liverpool from the airport um and as a thank you he he left two liverpool kits in the back seat for me and my sister and this was like 2003 it was like eight so it was like kind of right before the 05 Champions League and stuff. Suffered through a lot of bad times in, in the 2010s and late late 09s, late aughts. Um, so this Jurgen Klopp run, I've, I've truly appreciated it. I love that, man. Hey, that's that's what it is about being a soccer fan. You got to go through the bad times. There's a little bit of payoff once in a while. The team I cheer for in Columbia does it to me all the time. So I <laughs> which, which, which team is yours in Columbia? 
Medellin, Deportivo Independiente yeah. Medellin. And the last two uh, Decembers, we made it to the finals. And the last two Decembers, I was at the stadium. And the last two Decembers, oh! we finals. So, <laughs> oh, you were there both times? Oh, no. I'm sorry. And I'm like, the next time they go to finals, I'll probably be there reluctantly. And I hope I hope it's their time to charm because, man, it's getting to be too much for me. <laughs> Law of averages. It has to happen at some point with it you there. It has to happen, man. The one time they won that I was there was the pandemic. So the stadium was closed. But they played at the stadium. So it wasn't the same experience. But <laughs> that's part, unfortunate, part, man. For real. But I, I guess you guys probably want to hear about MLS now. We, we got through the fun part. We'll get, we'll get to some more fun <laughs> stuff later. Major League Soccer is on the way, man, into Miami and Real Salt Lake. Kick off the season very soon here. And I feel like you can't have an MLS conversation without speaking about Miami. So let's start there because it's just the easiest way to go about it. Obviously, Leo Messi, who scared and Jordi Alba last year, they had this beautiful League's Cup run and then – we put the calculators out and Sasha Kleshton put the whiteboard out and try to do the math. <laughs> they were going to make the playoffs. It was always a long shot, but now they have Luis Suarez. Now they have a fresh slate to work with and they go on this preseason tour, which I think anybody probably could have said soccer wise might have not been the smartest idea before it happened. Everything else about growing, growing the brand and things like that, you know, for sure you see the vision whispers. The brand is Lionel Messi. That's all you need. <laughs> They they traveled all over the place, man. You know, they Salvador, Texas, yep. Hong Kong, all over the place. The Ronaldo Messi match doesn't happen. You lose Farias to ACL. Kermaski gets hurt. The soccer is not really there. Now I'm one of the people that doesn't really trip off preseason too much because I feel yeah, like you don't need to. But what do you make of this Miami preseason? Because it was definitely controversial. Yeah, look. Um... I think this is one of the interesting takes because because you can talk to people around the league or you know fans and then people in the league who you know it, this is this is the version of Manchester United or or in Barcelona and Spain right like this is the team that I'm sure if you talk to a Brighton fan they would wish poor against Manchester United right like so and and I, that's how I've been wanting to frame it like all right like what is like the real truth here and I thought the most interesting perspective I got was from Phil Neville who again. It, happened to be the intro Miami coach. It, it was somebody I, I wanted to talk to somebody who was a head coach and also somebody who had Phil's playing career where this is what he's used to. And he's like, look, man, like I he's like, I don't care that the results were bad, right? Like he's like, I get it. It's probably not ideal as a as a manager to prepare the team. But he's like, look, this is football. If we want to grow, if we want to be all these ambitious things that we say we're going to be, we have to get out of our comfort zone like this. He's like he's and he's like every preseason of Manchester United, we were in Thailand, Australia, America, South America, like Africa, wherever, like, he's like, yeah, that, that sucks sometimes, right? Like it wasn't the most, it didn't matter if you were flying private or not. Like that's still just so many miles, but he's like, look, it's, it's part of football, right? Like it's, if we want to be the big league that we want to be, this has to be part of it. So it was, it was really interesting hearing Phil talk about like his perspective of like, yeah, well done to them for trying it. Like, again, they lost six, nothing. Who cares? Like they were playing all halal. I, I believe like whoever they, that they lost to was mid season. They had all of their starters. Miami were missing a few guys again, plus being at the beginning of preseason, more or less. Like, yeah, like that happens. Who cares? <laughs> like, this is all, this is again, I hate the side of things that it's like business and part of the brand and then all that crap. But like, it's that's part of it, man. If they didn't do stuff like this, they wouldn't be able to afford Messi. So it's like, it's just, it's the trade offs that are part of the deal. Um, and I understand, and I don't want to take away from any fans or anybody at other clubs, like one person I was speaking to just directly go like said with like a bit of a laugh, like from another team, there was just like, it was an effing disaster. <laughs> and that's going to be part of it too. But like, look, we have to do these things if we want to be a big boy league. Right. Like, so 
I don't know. I like, like you said, I don't really care about preseason results and the injuries too. Like I man, I'm not a doctor, right? Like, can you say with hundred percent certainty that like, again, Farias got hurt, you know, sap the first preseason game that could have happened in Clearwater. That could have happened in Coachella. That could have happened in Fort Lauderdale. They didn't have to travel anywhere for something like that to happen. Like Ben Kramowski was a sports hernia. And like, I think it happened in training or something, right? Like these things happen. Like, I, I think it's unfair to say with certainty that, Oh, if they didn't go to Riyadh, that, these players wouldn't have gotten hurt. Cause like, I just don't think that that's genuine. Yeah. And I agree. I agree on all those points. I think it was a little bit of a overreaction, which it's just the times that we live in now, but in terms of going through it, like you, you mentioned Phil Neville and it's awesome to get that perspective, especially from somebody that, that coached there, but you rather Tata Martino and his players go through that now than have to go yeah. through that in the first few games, the CONCACAF champions cup, which is coming that's up. Really soon. So like, Hey, take your licks now, but that's the that's what preseason is for, man. It's for you to work things out, see what works, see see what doesn't work. Now we get and, and look, doesn't make sense. Sorry, sorry, God, I was just gonna say, Tata has has managed Argentina and Barcelona. Like this ain't new to him, man. Like he understands that this is this is part of the deal. And again, like if it was Phil, Phil would like he's clearly saying I, it's part of the deal. You you get like you know what I mean? Like nobody should really be surprised. And again, like going back, like he's he's on twenty million or whatever he is, like. That somebody something has to be they have to pay for it somehow right like yeah. it's not just jersey sales particularly with with all the the bootleg jerseys that have been sold that miami doesn't get a cut of so. you're saying that man I, I have never seen so many pink jerseys in colombia since this last december i was there i'm like this, these jerseys are everywhere man <laughs> that's crazy right unreal but yeah i mean i'm ex i'm you know you're always excited last last year it was like must watch tv obviously this season it will be more so because they get to go at it from the beginning yeah are high, but that's what it is. Like you said, when you have those players here, it's gonna be it's gonna be serious. I mean, Messi's over here doing Super Bowl commercials now, man. Like it's still American dream. We love this. <laughs> One thing that's probably not the American dream is whatever's happening in the other city in Florida with Duncan McGuire and Oof. his dream to potentially be in England, which seemed like it was over the line, but wasn't over the line. Tom has been all over oh. this, illustrated it greatly. Plenty of times I will ask you to do that here, but try to make it as short as possible because I know this is complicated. What happened with Duncan McGuire, man? I, I'm convinced that this story is never going to end. That I, like, I feel like it's going to be every other day I'm, I'm getting a new Duncan McGuire update. Um, so, like, again, trying to short it, it's so crazy. It's like a, it's a telenovela, man. It's it's unreal. Like, and it's just fueled by incompetence and and Blackburn is not covering themselves in glory here. So, Blackburn at the beginning of the transfer window or like right, like end of December, kind of right before it started, uh, sent a couple loan offers to Orlando for Duncan McGuire. They identified him a while ago as, as a player they wanted. Orlando were kind of like, we don't want to do a loan, right? Um, and then McGuire said, cool, I get that. I want a new contract because I'm making $77,000. Like, um, and I just made my, I'm about to make my national team debut. They went back and forth a little bit in contract talks. They didn't really get close. And then Sheffield Wednesday came in with some serious interest. So it was like, okay, like, this is a possibility, if not a probability. And if they weren't going to come close on a contract and McGuire has aspirations to play in Europe, this made sense. So, you know, Sheffield Wednesday got closer. Their payment structure wasn't what Orlando needed it to be. They needed, whatever, whether it was a loan or a transfer, there had to be a payment up front so that they could um, tr uh, transmit that into allocation money to help with their other signings and, and everything else. And then now they're signing Louis Muriel. They go back to Blackburn. Blackburn was was the the place that made the most sense, both because Sheffield Wednesday were five points below the the drop zone. 
they don't have any money. And if he went to Sheffield Wednesday, it would have been written to his contract to have a relegation release clause. So if he wasn't able to save them, he would have to transfer again in a few months because he doesn't want to play in League One. So there was a lot of problems there. Blackburn start to figure out that there's a kid, a kid named Adam Wharton, that they were getting serious bids from the Premier League. They okay, we have 20 million pounds coming in. Let's talk about Duncan McGuire again. They kind of go back and forth with Orlando. Orlando, obviously trying to get the best deal they can. They agree to a fee that's like just under 4 million US. So it's like 3 million pounds. Um, this is two days before the deadline. This was like the informal deadline of if nothing's agreed by today, it's over because he needs to fly and get there and do the medical and all that crap. McGuire leaves preseason camp in Cancun, goes to the airport. He's taking a connecting flight through JFK. While he's on the first flight, Blackburn's owners, much maligned owners that the fans have protested because it's been a dreadful decade, call the front office, the technical staff of Blackburn and say, hey, the deals that you're working on, you need to pull out. We don't have any money. And Blackburn was like, what the hell? We're getting 20 million pounds from Palace. They're like, no, no, we don't have the money. We can stop every deal that you're trying to do. So it wasn't just Duncan McGuire. Like I know firsthand they had other deals, not from MLS players, but like I've seen that the, the sporting director had to pretty much be like, I'm so sorry, but the owners called us, right? So this is when McGuire's on the plane going there. Orlando tried to reach him on before he gets on his connecting flight to say, come home. Okay, didn't didn't happen. Uh, McGuire, the official line was unreachable from what I was told. Um, I don't know if Orlando officially 100% buy that or not, but he didn't, he was unreachable, gets on the connecting flight. His agent goes and meets him in England because he he's... Like, okay, Sheffield Wednesday are back in the picture. Um, Ispwich Town had some interest. Cardiff City had some interest. It was like, all right, if 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 we're in England, there's a chance. Maybe we can make a deal happen. The deal for Blackburn, the, the Wharton kid goes through. And Black like Blackburn and Orlando hadn't spoke. And Sheffield Wednesday were like continuing to push. And McGuire's agent calls Blackburn and for the first communication since they the guy had to sheepishly say, I'm so sorry, we have to pull out. It's like, would you be able to do a loan deal with X amount of a loan fee? And he's like, I think we can make that happen. So they connect again with Blackburn. A second deal starts to come together. Duncan McGuire is in a hotel in Sheffield because they figured the most likely outcome on deadline day was Sheffield Wednesday. He, they, they, they're getting closer to agreeing with Blackburn. Sheffield Wednesday sends a car to the hotel of like, if you agree a deal, we'll take you to the facility to do the medical. Blackburn sends a car to the hotel. If you agree a deal with us, you can take me to the medical. They don't know what to do. They're still working on it. They call a cab, just like a black cab, a guy like we don't want to get in either of your cars. And then had, they had Blackburn kind of reimburse him for the money later, which I was like, why didn't you just get in Blackburn's car? Um, he goes to Blackburn. It's like six hours left before the deadline. Plenty of time, dude. Plenty of time. They're working on multiple signings. Medical's done four hours in advance. Paperwork signed, completed correctly. Hour and a half in advance. I'm, I'm getting updates. Signed. MLS is signed. This is signed. Okay. No, no worries. The administrator clicked save paperwork instead of submit paperwork. He didn't realize it until after the window. Like, and he did that, like it's time stamped. And that's why they, when they appealed the EFL, they were like, look, we did this in good faith. You can see the timestamps of when all the paperwork was in. Please let this through. And they were like, sorry, we're not going to let that happen. So in the span of 72 hours, two separate deals of Blackburn fell apart. And then all of a sudden, Duncan McGuire is returning to Orlando where he's about to be the backup to Luis Muriel. Like they can play together, but like push comes to shove. If you're playing with one forward, they invested a DP spot. Luis Muriel is an awesome player. Duncan McGuire is, is very, very good too. But it, it coming, it, it, his camp believes he's about to be a backup. And then that 
uh, will make things difficult for again. Well, all right. Now are there going to be offers again in the summer? Um, what about a contract? He's now he's instead of he was about to be on a new deal like ten times what he was currently earning. So now he's back. That that problem is still there, right? And now will I have enough playing time to stay on the U.S. Olympic team? Because that's important for like all this. Like so, in the, in the span of seventy two hours, for two different times, no fault of his own whatsoever. The kids dream kind of goes away and again you could say stuff like, like the blackburn manager resigned over this he's like this club's a joke i'm out apparently he's about to be hired as a sweden national team head coach so good for him well well done to, to change that up um so yeah you could say like maybe it's thankful maybe blackburn wouldn't have been the right place for him just because of all this crap but like at the end of the day man like it's tough it's tough to resist a pay raise it's tough to resist going to the championship and now you, you come back to orlando and you you think that you're going to be second string uh, this isn't over yet. There's several MLS teams have called about a potential trade. Orlando stance is insistent. They don't want to trade, but we'll see if it gets messy. Oh, man, that's that's such a crushing story, man. It's just it's all oh, it's all you couldn't right. write it in fiction. Like, yeah. it's unreal. It's it reminds me of a little bit of the Julian Araujo thing when he was getting the paperwork. Oh, my God. It as layered, but it's it's unreal, man. That's just yeah, that's, that level is unreal. Yeah, so and that's the thing too. Like, the, so like that's a great point. I completely forgot like during that process about the Araujo stuff because he he couldn't be registered by Barcelona because they messed up. They didn't file the paperwork on time. Um, but Barcelona was just like, screw it. Like, it's a permanent deal. He can just train with the second team and and we'll just honor the deal. Like Blackburn, it was going to be a loan with a purchase option. Like they can't spend a loan fee on a player who can't play, right? Like so, it just sucks, man. It's just and like and obviously Duncan like wasn't there. There was no scenario in which he was going to be okay with not playing for six months or whatever yeah now now it puts him in an awful position because they bring in like you said they bring in Luis Muriel who Colombian international has had great success in Europe and Italy as of recent and it's just like yeah I mean if you do have to put it like you're probably going to be second string here now your value is going to dip hopefully that all works out for Duncan and this camp because yeah. that's awful man all right well let's move on from that let's 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 go big picture here I want to know two teams uh, in both conferences that you're most excited to watch this season. So you could start East or West, split them up however you mm. want. But uh, just two teams. I mean, we already talked about Miami, so you probably yeah. <laughs> Everybody's excited to watch Miami. But two teams uh, from each conference that you're most excited for. Um, in the West, I, Colorado and Dallas are two teams that, that I really am interested in. I'll start with Colorado, just that, like, the, like their vision from the front office to the coaching staff last year was fractured clearly the roster was built to play like they did in 2021 which was transition heavy um being really difficult to beat win on set pieces all that stuff um and then robin frazier wanted to play more of a possession style and it just didn't work they were very bad they bring in a new coach chris armis he is going to be playing the transition based soccer it's going to be more up tempo it's going to be much more of the 2021 rapids than than what it was last year i love the signings of georgie mihailovich uh zach stefan and sam vines I think those are three high-level proven MLS players. Cole Bassett signing a new deal is, is big. I, I, you know, Connor Ronan. I, I hope that you didn't watch a lot of Colorado Rapids soccer last year. Not many people should have. It was brutal. Connor Ronan was one of the very few bright spots on that team. He was awesome, and I think that fans are going to realize, like, oh god, like this guy's really good. Like as long as they don't suck again, which I don't think that they will, but I could be wrong because I'm an idiot. Um, but so I'm really looking forward to that group, Dallas. Man, they, they spent 10 million bucks on a 25-year-old Croatian international. And I've been saying kind of for a couple of years, even when Jesus Ferreira had his career best season when he was a center forward in a 4-3-3, dude, I think his best spot is playing as a second striker, like off of somebody like Peter Musa. So now the, the team spends 10 million bucks on that. 
when Alan Velasco comes back at some point in the second half of the season, and and now Dallas are playing a three four two one, a front three of Musa with Jesus Ferreira and Alan Velasco underneath, I think is going to be electric. I can't wait for that. Like Bernard Camungo is a super fun player. Uh, they brought in an eighteen year old uh, Bulgarian international, I believe, or Hungarian international. I don't have it correct off the top of my head, but they just have so much talent there that um, again they've been. I had higher hopes for them last year, and they really disappointed. Not just well in the standings first and foremost, but also like I thought that they were going to play much better soccer. Like I, I do like Nico Estevez as a coach. I like a lot of the pieces they have. I think that they're going to be much more fun in a three four two one. And yeah, like I think that we're going to see the best of Jesus Ferrer and MLS this year. And again, he's been really, really good over the last few years, right? Like, so like I think that this is the best spot for him. Yeah, and the West, like mentioning Colorado, the West is on the bottom. There's room for there's room for movement. And we know a lot of teams yep. get into the playoffs anyway, so it's not like you have to have <laughs> a super great season to to sneak in there. But even Zach Steffen speaking today, and media availability was saying like this is the best he's felt physically. Yeah. And like his whole career. So if that's actually true and translates onto the field, it's, it's huge for Colorado. Obviously Georgie has proven what he could do. And that's an exciting, exciting piece to see back in MLS. And you mentioned Komongo, man, he's, he's probably one of the most exciting players to watch in MLS that maybe is underrated. Yeah. Just what he could, what he could provide. And I, I like that Dallas team a lot, man. I think they, they've always been like a one or two pieces away from really, Dude, really being. Oh my God. For, for years, it was like, yeah. if they just had a DP, if they just had another DP, it's like, all right. So like this offseason, I gave up hope that they were going to sign a DP because I was like, screw it. Like I've been saying this for four years in a row. I don't, I don't, I don't believe you're going to do it. And then bang, 10 million bucks on center yeah. forward. Another part of that equation too is like, I feel the, the Texas rivalry kind of amped up when Austin comes in so hot. And now they kind of, you know, downgraded tremendously from what they were. Now Houston has a great season. Now Dallas is like, yo, don't forget about us, man. Like, we're still here to swing with the big boys. And I feel like they're going to have a fun season, man, for sure. I agree. That's a great point, too. And again, with Houston-Dallas, like, I, that, when that rivalry is fun when they're good, man. And it, it's fun when they're not good anyway. But, like, it's, it's much better when they are good. Yeah, you guys rocking. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to the best coast. We're two, two, Look, I, like, I'm not going to say Columbus are – just about my favorite team to watch in the league, but I feel like we've talked enough about them. They've gotten all their flowers from MLS Cup run as they should. Cincinnati won a trophy, so I'm going to stick away from them too as well. Atlanta United, I, man, like Tiago Almada is just must watch any minute you can get, right? And Yorgos Yakimakis is, should be a golden boot favorite. What they did over the last two windows in particular, I guess three with Yakimakis coming in last winter, but in the summer when they brought in Tristan Miyumba and Slava Lobotunice and John De Silva, it, made the team it, it wasn't just a collection of talent it was talent that made sense and accentuated each other because their problem was like they had good players i still think marcelino moreno could have been a good player in this league but you just put him next to four players who do the same exact thing as him so they all looked like they were bad barco um, um moreno pt whoever whatever it was it was a lot of dudes who wanted to play in the same space and no runners around them so what i loved about the summer is they made a lot of signings that made sense they needed Desperately needed a central midfielder like Tristan Yumba. Really good. This offseason, what they desperately needed was a ball winner, was just an absolute destroyer. And they go out and spend three and a half million bucks on an in-prime Poland international number six. It's going to make the, everybody around him better. As long as, like, and I, I, I think very highly of this player. And again, you just look at Atlanta's last 10 signings or whatever it is. They've hit just about all of them. Everybody but like Derek Etienne. And he was signed and I look, Garth Lagerway was not involved in that deal. <laughs> like, so their last nine signings have all been have all been hits. They needed to replace Miles Robinson. They bring in this defender called Steon Gregerson. 
Um, and again, maybe Bartos Lees, the defensive midfielder, doesn't hit. Maybe Gregerson doesn't hit, right? But if they do, this is one of the best teams in the league, and they'd be talked about more like that. If there was, if it was like, if you could tell me 100% certainty, Thiago Almada is going to be here through the end of the season. I've got them in the absolute top tier of contenders. Um, and, and one more point kind of on Gregerson. Orlando tried to sign him. Another MLS team tried to sign him a year ago. I uh, completely blank on who it is. Um, but I've talked to scouts from both of those teams, and they've been like, dude, like Atlanta, Atlanta, that guy's good, man. Like Atlanta, like well done by them. Like I wish that we were able to sign him. So like all that being said, like they don't have any holes right now. And Josh Cohen in a goal for Brad Guzan, I think is going to be a pretty massive upgrade, even if Josh Cohen is league average. Like, so again, I just look at this team and there's so much to like. And then, man, maybe it's just because I got to watch him in preseason up close, but Red Bulls almost exclusively for Emil Forsberg. <laughs> he looks incredible, dude. Like, okay, I, everybody I've talked to that has seen him play in person this preseason, I've been like, oh my God. Like, this guy is like, there's no questions. Like, he's going to be awesome. Um, if Dante Van Zier lives up to like the 5 million that they bought from last year, uh, he did not look good in the preseason game. I saw I missed a couple chances. I hope that that doesn't kill his confidence. Uh, but dude, Forsberg was just on another level every time he got on the ball, and I just can't wait to watch him. Yeah, I mean, we know the Red Bulls always play some exciting brand of, of soccer. So either way, it's gonna be it's gonna be attracting me with them. And and same same with Atlanta. Like you mentioned, the Garth. No surprise that Garth Lagerway has has swung and hit basically everything that he yeah. has his way. That he's building something in Atlanta that. Could be reminiscent of when Atlanta was really, really good when they came into MLS. And if that stadium and that fan base gets rocking like it used to back then, it's going to be problems for anybody in the East or anybody in the league, rather. So I like that. I like that call in Atlanta. They they turned they turned up that last a transfer window last year. And they hit the ground. Yeah. They couldn't defend too much. But it was like we said the same <laughs> the crew, and the crew did that all the way to the playoffs. And then we're like, all right, now we're just going to win MLS. So, <laughs> it, there's different methods to, to being successful in Major League Soccer. Quickly on the crew as defending champs, like obviously, like you mentioned, we've talked about with Renance and how great they've been since he's got in and just him implementing his styles. But it's feasible for this team to be as good next year, correct? Or is that the yeah? The, the only person they lost from their rotation was Julian Gressel. And I think that I'm at the forefront of the Julian Gressel bandwagon, but like facts are facts. He wasn't starting in the playoffs. So they didn't lose any starter. Like he was, I keep his team. I think that he would have been a starter if he, if he stayed this year. Right. But I, the way that they were able to keep the team together is the most impressive part to me. And they have a cheat code in Wilfred Nance. Go back the last three years. Every single attacker he's worked with had their career best year under him. Georgia Mihailovic, Romel Kyoto, uh, uh, Kucho Hernandez, and then you just kind of go down the like, Yaya Boa, they Alexandru Matan. They couldn't give those players away. They they wanted to give those players away under Caleb Porter. Um, and then Nancy comes in and Matan has 15 assists or 12 assists, whatever it was. And Yaya Boa is should have won man of the match for MLS Cup. <laughs> like it's it's a cheek. Multi Amundsen. I, I was talking to um I, I, was talk, I was talking to somebody about this that like NYCFC, like he wasn't playing. And so the coaching staff clearly didn't rate him. They didn't think that he fit. He goes to Columbus and he's a key part. He's a starter at left side. Like it, what he, it's a cheat code. And they already have a really, really good front office with not just Tim Bezbachenko, but Neil McGinnis, Corey Ray, Issa Tall, Mark Nichols. So they already have a phenomenal front office and they have a coaching staff where they maximize every bit of talent that you give them. And it's just like, they're going to be great again. Yeah. They, they have a blueprint that I mean, a lot of teams should be replicating from their success in MLS Next Pro to what they. I mean, you get rid of Lucas Elaray in the middle of the season, 
And you're like, nah, we're not going to have too much of an issue. And they bring in somebody like Diego Rossi, who clearly has success in MLS with, with LAFC. You bring in Christian Ramirez, so you talk about players that have been rotated around. I mean, people forget he went from L.A., prior, obviously, Minnesota, L.A., then he was in Houston, Houston for a little bit. Then he went overseas, and it's like he he was a huge piece of that equation, too. And it's like it's incredible the team that they have. And I think we all knew once he landed the job there, like, He's gonna he's gonna do it's the it was the perfect role for him in terms of uh-huh. the younger kids and being able to develop them and then just getting the best out of that roster it crew I mean they're gonna be right out there so I agree with that man for sure now there's a lot of I guess the bigger names that get the attention we talked about Suarez we talked about Muriel and mm-hmm. Emil Forsberg and all that stuff what are some of the underrated moves perhaps that maybe haven't been talked about um, on a bigger scale from the offseason that maybe some players that you're excited that haven't got too much of the shine yeah I mean. I love a DM, so Bartosz Leash with Atlanta. I know we've already talked about him, so I kind of won't go over that too much. I love Edward, Edward Atuesta. I think that that has gotten plenty of, of burn, but like I want to just shout that out that like I'm so happy that he's back in MLS. He's a really good player. Uh, some other that kind of come to mind, Fidel Barajas. I'm, I'm really excited to see if he's going to get minutes at Real Salt Lake. He was the best young player in USL Championship last year. Real Salt Lake had success by bringing Diego Luna from USL. Um, now it took like six months for Pablo Mastroeni to trust him and, and for him to earn some regular minutes. So again, Fidel Bras is 17 years old. I don't know how quickly or how slowly it might take him to be regular, but like, again, I've been talking to folks around the club in preseason. They've been like, well, I'd like this kid, this kid's good. He's ready. He's ready for minutes. So we'll see. Um, but again, I, I don't, I don't think it'd be unfair to just like, over, like have high expectations for him, like right out of the gate. Like if he doesn't score a goal in the first month, that's okay. He's 17, right? Like, so, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to watch him play. And then I guess this one more would be uh, Montreal, the attacking midfielder, Bulgarian international, Yankov. Um, I don't know a ton about him, but the little that I've seen, like he just seems like a profile that makes so much sense in MLS. And and again, I, I rate their new head coach, Laurent Coutois, very highly. He comes from Columbus, comes from uh, a year with Real Finance. Um, I think that's I think that he's going to play a fun brand of soccer. I like it. I like it, man. There's, I feel like this offseason or leading into the season, there's so much movement around coaches. You have coaches, familiar names, and maybe some not so familiar in new places. You already talked about Chris Armors. You have Caleb Porter in New England. Phil mm-hmm. Neville, we already mentioned. You have Dean Smith. What are, what, I don't want to say necessarily a coach that you think may have the most success, but besides Armors, because I think you bring up a great point of him in Colorado and implementing his style there. What coach are maybe perhaps you most excited to see him kind of do that in a new system? Because I know, some coaches are very, we're going to stick to our guns and, and, <laughs> and some are like, ah, maybe we're going to try something else. Like talking about the Reds, it's like, you don't know what they're going from Bruce to interim to Caleb Porter. That's like a night and day, you know, completely right. changed styles within over a few months. So maybe a coach or two that you're pretty uh, excited about in a new place. Yeah. I mean, I, I've heard so much great things about Dean Smith and Charlotte. Um, I, I didn't know necessarily what to expect when they hired him. And then again, the more people I've spoke to, it's like, oh God, there's a great hire. Like just a lot of like foundational culture stuff that the previous two coaches have just completely disregarded. Um, Dean Smith has, has been awesome with it this winter. The roster still needs at least one, if not two DPs. So, you know, t- temper your expectations early. But again, I, I think that they're going to be, they're going to make a lot more sense. They're going to be much harder to beat than they were last year. Um, I think Portland is a much better roster right now. And I'm one of the people who still rates Phil Neville. Um, this is kind of, he's even said it that like, now is the time to judge me, right? Like there, you can make so many excuses for his time in, in Miami. Just his DPs were, they were hamstrung with, with roster sanctions. They had a bad roster. The DPs were 
Iguain and Pizarro. Pizarro was keeping a DP spot even when he wasn't at the club. And then when he was at the club, he wasn't any good. Like, I don't know, man. Like, then, then when he got fired last year, they were saving two DP spots for Messi and Busquets, as they 1,000% should have, obviously. And Gregory had the third one, and then he got hurt after, like, three games. Like, you can't win in this league when you have both hands tied behind your back, right? Like, so, again, if Neville flames out in Portland, then I'll change my opinion, right? But, like, I'm still, I'm still on the optimistic side, and they're going to sign a forward probably soon, hopefully soon, whatever it is. Um, and then an attack with a new DP forward and a Vander. And now like they worked on the defensive unit as well. Like, I think that that team is ready to, to compete. Maybe not quite yet in terms of like title aspirations, but like if they don't make the playoffs, it's, it's a, it's a pretty big disappointment. Yeah. I like the Neville shout. I, I agree with you. I still rate him. I think he got the, he got judged a little unfairly with everything that happened in Miami. And I think he has a, a pretty nice slate to work with and Charlotte, man. I mean, they need, they need to, you know, do something, make a bang there because they have a, a very good fan base. We were there at the opener a few years ago, which seems like forever now that, you know, you see that stadium full 75,000, which at the time was an MLS record. Yeah. But they have a supportive fan base and they're just anxious for a little bit of success there. So I'm glad to hear that about Dean Smith and hopefully it pans out for them there too, man. Let's touch on the, the for, for my locals, for all the fans that follow the LA sides, let's touch on LAFC and LA Galaxy real quick. Obviously, the Galaxy last year, uh, mess is probably an understatement of a word. So, <laughs> rough. LAFC, you know, the LAFC is one of those things, again, where it's like you take reality and then you have the internet conversation. And it's like the internet conversation does not line up with the actual reality of what LAFC was. And everybody's like, oh, they suck. And I'm like, dude, they went to all these finals. They get to all of these big stages. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. MLS Cup again, really, like, not being great all season. And then... We're talking about a team that falls just short of a cup, falls just short of um, of Champions League, and then they lose Campeones Cup. So, of course, there's a lot of conversation that happens, speaking to Steve Sherundalo throughout the year, all the excuses about rosters and time. Like, we get all of that, right? But you put it on paper, you still have a, a coach that implemented what he wanted to do. They're turning up, and everybody thought they were quiet during the offseason, and then John Thornton was like, I got something for all of y'all, and let me turn up on you guys. <laughs> Our Will Koontz is cooking too, man. So so what do we make of the two LA teams right now? Yeah, both in transition for different reasons. Uh, like you said with LAFC, they've uh, both struggled. Like, like that's what was so impressive about Columbus, that they were able to keep everybody. Like LAFC, John Thornton's been really public about this the last couple of years. It's really, really hard to keep together uh, a contending team when you get to the pinnacle like that because the salary cap, players get raises, players want to move on. All that's like, that's all normal. This one, though, it wasn't just all of that. It was... They missed on Buke. They missed badly on Gonzalez. Um, and then who else? They, they, they let somebody. Oh, and uh, Krastev. Like those were three of their key signings and just swung a miss on all of them, right? And they weren't able to re-sign Diego Palacios. But what they've done is, again, Edward Atuesta, I think that's a phenomenal signing. Tomas Angel makes a lot of sense. I'm very, very excited to see him in this league. Like I think that he's going to be a really talented young player and he's going to have a, a pathway to minutes depending on what they do at center forward. Um, I'm... I'm a romantic. I hope that they bring back Carlos Vela because I don't want to see him in any other jersey for the whatever's left of his career. But LAFC don't operate like that. They don't pay you for past performances. So wouldn't be surprised if, if he walks. Again, we're 11 days until LAFC's first game or whatever it is, and, and he's not re-signed. So we'll make of that what you will, right? Like So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, re I'm really excited to see them. And then the Galaxy, Gabriel Peck, I think that signing is going to be very good. Uh, but the best signing is going to be Panso. I reported today that they're finally finalizing that deal or it's about to be finalized, whatever it is. The plan is that hope that they hope that he'll be able to travel in the coming days to finalize this deal. 
Um, he had 17 goals and 14 assists last season for Gank in Belgium. He's in prime. He His profile of his finishing ability, his dynamic physical ability, his technical quality, um, and the way that he plays, he, he's like, he plays like an inside forward. He plays like a style of that Buwanga plays as a winger. He's a winger, but he's really an inside forward. That's the kind of player that you need next to Ricky Pooch because Ricky Pooch could get 25 assists if you have that player near him. So this team makes a whole lot more sense than when it had Douglas Costa uh, as a winger and, um, you know, who did they, who's and Tyler Boyd, right? Like this is, I think that this team's going to be, look really good. They still, when I was at the preseason game the other day, their starting center back duo was uh, a combined 72 years old. That might be an issue, uh, but they do still have Jalen Neal. He just wasn't available. So we'll see kind of how it goes. But again, I, I think that both these teams are at least going to be very exciting. Yeah. I'm excited, man, and it's gonna not that El Tráfico ever needs some help for promotion, <laughs> but it's gonna it's gonna make for some fun games between LA Galaxy and LAFC. All right, let's have some fun again, some quick hits, and we'll get Tom on his way. His phone's probably going crazy. He's probably about to tweet another another Tommy scoop bomb, whatever <laughs> we call it. So let's start with this. How many of I don't want to say how many, but I'm sure you've probably been to a lot of the stadiums around the league. What has been your favorite stadium? And do not say Red Bull Arena as a biased New Jersey folk. Oh, but dude, they have they have the best press box because it, it's right above the benches. Everybody else, it's like it looks beautiful, man. I'm not gonna lie, incredible. and and it's outside. So my favorite stadium it has to be it has to have like outdoor press area because I, it's so important for me to like if if there's if they don't open the windows in some of these newer ones that that can be enclosed, I'll go I'll watch a game somewhere else. Like I I, I need to have like the atmosphere. Um, but yeah, like from from a press box standpoint, it really is Red Bull Arena. Um. The bank account, uh, sorry, BMO field now. So they keep changing it. Uh, that was really nice. Um, but I got it. I know it's recency bias because I was just in Columbus, but Columbus Crew Stadium is absolutely gorgeous, man. I, I, I really, really like that one. Bro, all these soccer specific stadiums, they, they knock them out the park, man. They're, they're all, Incredible. Really, all really nice. City Park, City Park is amazing. That, oh, it's, I get there. so it's, 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 if you get the chance to go there this season, I recommend it for sure. We talked about this a little bit, I mentioned it a little bit as a joke, but. Is there a fan base that gets at you the most? Like, I know there's, I always see people tweet at you. Where's the LAFC news? Where's the Columbus news? Where's the Cincinnati that, news? That's, that stuff's playful. That's good. It, it, I do get, I do get, uh, Montreal fans, uh, really, I had to do a lot of Google translating from French, uh, last year because they were not happy at wherever I put them in a preseason ranking. And I was like, guys, it's not that serious. Like, it really, it's not, not a personal attack. I just don't think the team's going to be very good. And guess what? I was right. But who cares? Um, no, that was the first, but, but I've been, they, they've, Again, if if you crap on a team, they're they're they'll rightfully kind of or, or less that they're nihilistic. Like, I think that um, I kind of made a run at Toronto for trying to keep uh, state secrets on the stupid preseason game, and a lot of Toronto fans were like, "Thank God, like, thank you for like flaming them on this." So most of the time, it's if you say something bad about the team, but then there's enough teams that understand, like, all right, like <laughs> if we're doing something wrong, if we suck, like, please let us have it. Um, so yeah, I, like or- Orlando used to be notorious for this, but um, I think Orlando fans like me. I hope that I didn't just. Uh, uh, invite them to come to come give me crap, but uh, <laughs> yeah, usually it's 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 a it's the anonymous hashtag pro rel for USA accounts. Those are the, and I don't know they don't they don't have a fan base. They're just miserable and sad all the time. I love it, man. I love it. Tom is fight fighting the good fight all the time. That's <laughs> time you don't know him, man. I'm telling you personally, you gotta get to know the guy. Now, when you're sitting on like a big scoop, and I think you talked about this, I think last season or two seasons ago now, rather with the Gareth Bale news. Oof. What is that like? Because you. I'm sure there's probably like some pushback, Awful. maybe teams, maybe like how how does that even come about, man? Because you're like, I got this, and I'm about to like shock everybody, but you know, there's obviously protocols to everything. 
Yeah, like even I was joking with you before, like I was delayed to come on this podcast because, again, I I had a Cincinnati a piece of news from Cincinnati that had already been reported elsewhere, but I was able to confirm it. Right, the Luca Oriano, whatever. But I've been working on the signing for a little while. It was nothing groundbreaking. It was nothing even necessarily new. I was continuing to refresh my computer, waiting for editors to publish the scoop. Like it is awful, just being like, did they read it yet? Did they put it up yet? Oh my god, what if in the time between I send it to my editors? And then somebody else, and before I get to publish it, somebody else goes with it. Like those are the worst. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of anxiety. I love it, man. I love it. Like I said, I I hope you're getting your rest and your sleep and all that good stuff. <laughs> and I hope you're not too delusional because I'm gonna ask you a really important question next, and I want you to answer. It yes, the Knicks are gonna win the, the NBA title. Is that are the New York Knickerbockers back and answer this question at ease? Because our friend Matt Doyle is watching with his beady eyes. <laughs> The Knicks are back, baby. We're legit, man. Need uh, OG's hurt, so that sucks. Jalen Brunson's a, a absolutely already about to be a legend. He's he's a top he's a top ten player, whatever it is in the league. We finally have a superstar. Julius Randle's even won me back this year before he got hurt. Let's see what it happens in the playoffs. I don't trust him, but man, OG Tibbs and the boys. Ah, dude. I, I was at I was at a, I was at a Knicks game and Doyle and Weeby and them. And Doyle was trying to like the uh, I even forget who they played at this point, but they were losing. And he 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 was like he was taking some delight in it. He wasn't going to go into the garden and and actively root against the Knicks, but he would give me a little elbow when when they were down by four in the first quarter, and then they won by like twenty five. So <laughs> I enjoyed that a lot. The Knicks, I hope, man. Jalen Brunson is is a, a man. He's a dog, and it's it, you know what's funny because now that I've been in LA for over five years and steadily hit on the Lakers every chance I get to as a Celtics fan. It is a lot more fun when the Knicks are better, and and it's now thinking of like the the cold, the bicoastal stuff. But when the Knicks are hooping and MSG's rocking, it's a lot. But yeah, dude, the Garden. Oh my God. Oh, uh, so yeah, we we need the irrational confidence for Knicks fans because that again, when we lose in the second round, or like that'll make for the best content. So exactly. everybody wins. You got to turn up outside of MSG, regardless. Now, <laughs> there's uh, something that sparked a little bit of a controversy a little while ago. Lionel Messi, who's, who's one of the one of the best to ever do it, but he uh, he did this atrocity. Uh, people that are watching on on YouTube get to see the pizza that I have on the screen. Well, Gross. pizza, I'm gonna put it in quotes. It's tomatoes and onions and olives. Listen, man, I don't know if it's a cultural thing or if they do that in Argentina <laughs> or the southern part of South America, which I have not gone to yet. But I would love to. <laughs> but Tom, you're a pizza guy yourself, man. So I know you've posted some some pictures of pizza, and I know the reactions are always great. Virtual. <laughs> I want to know what's your ideal pizza. If I give you a, a cheese pizza and you have to put like three toppings, if you even need three, what's your ideal? Like this is this is it. This is all it needs to be. Don't do too much and let's keep it moving. Dude, the 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 test of whether a pizzeria is really good or not is their plain slice. You can't hide behind toppings. If you have a good pizza, you have a good pizza. So like I love I love a plain slice and I think that's the best barometer. Um, some of the exotic stuff I love a Sicilian. I love a grandma, uh, but I'm a sucker for for vodka sauce. So. If it's a drunken grandma, which is vodka sauce or penne vodka pizza, oof, feel I feel awful after, but oh my god, I love it. <laughs> hey man, that's I, I I that messy thing. Every time I see it, I'm just like, yo, he <laughs> got he hasn't been he hasn't been in the states long enough. We got to get him right. We'll hook him up with Tom and get him a pizza tour. No, no, because they don't get fat like me, so don't don't <laughs> let him do that. <laughs> hey, you could be on the uh, Super Bowl commercial next year where I'm playing soccer. <laughs> no, I think so. Pineapple on pizza? Yes or no? No, no, no. To each their own, but no. <laughs> I want to make sure. Just want to make sure. Since we're on the topic of food and the area, you walk into a bagel shop. What's your order? Again, I go. I go plain bagel with cream cheese. 
to toast time, it, obviously. I like this. Tom, Tom's like, I'm not adding no craziness to exactly. it. Exactly. Again, and like I I, I like I like a, an exotic exact bagel or something, but again, like the test, the testament of a, of a good bagel shop is, is the plain cream cheese and pork leg and cheese, obviously. But that's how it goes. Now, speaking of being simple, Tom is a is a bear aficionado like myself and others. Last time I saw Tom was actually at Audi Field, Washington, D.C. for MLS All-Star game last year. And I think I was pointing him in the direction to actually get a beer. I think it was they were serving Heineken or something like that. Now I'm realizing that I know Heineken, Heineken was up to par because I know Tom likes to drink Miller Lite, Miller High Life. And I'm going to give you this platform and this time for you to explain your, your love for those beers and, and just why. Because there's so much beer out there. But, hey, we're not judging anybody, man. We just want to get to the I, I do I do like a lot of beers, a lot of different beers. But, like, the, the Miller Lite's go-to. About, about the journey, right? Like, I'm not a big IPA guy. So, like, I, like the, I, love, I love a red ale. I, love, I do love a Guinness and stuff. But, like, just, you know, the, the everyman, the Dax McCarty of beers is, is a Miller Lite. You know what I mean? You can't can't always have a Ricky Pooch. You can't have can't have stuff like that. And Heineken, obviously, at, at MLS events because it's sponsored. So, I've... I've gotten used to uh, some free Heinekens um, at, at those functions, which I, I enjoy as well. And I, I would say I enjoy it even more if they wanted to sponsor me. So just. <laughs> I love that. I love that. My aunt, my aunt is the only person I know that willingly drinks Miller Lite. So she's in good company. <laughs> You're in good company. Whatever way you want to split it, man. <laughs> what a legend. <laughs> so, man, I appreciate the time. The official ringleader of the Sickos, episode one, man. Thanks for coming through the kick with me. Anything you want to say, share before you get off. If not, feel free to go about your way. Thanks again. Follow my boy on all the platforms. Please subscribe to his YouTube. I really enjoy the short form videos, man. And, you know, we'll we'll link up there in the season. I'm sure we'll have you back on the, on the program. And we'll probably see each other in a press box or two, hopefully, down the road. Yeah, we better, man. How are you, Beer? Uh, yo, congrats on starting the podcast. Well-deserved. Um, you should be a free agent for about 48 hours. I don't know. I don't know what the hell is going on. You should have been, been flooded with calls. But I look forward to all your successes, brother. We got some things cooking up, man. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll announce some stuff soon. But besides that, man, the late. Hey, if you were not watching this on YouTube, if you were tapped in on audio, I apologize because you didn't get to see the Jimi Hendrix kit that I'm wearing, but you didn't get so to see good. the lavish stash in all the glory. <laughs> so if you're listening on YouTube, on uh, Spotify or on Apple, please tap into the YouTube. And I'm, <laughs> I'm going with this Celtics in six, my boy. Feel free to hit log off. I'm going to talk about the Super Bowl for a little bit and get out of here, brother. But I appreciate you, brother. See you, buddy. Thanks, man. Tom Bogert, the legend, man. What a guy. What a guy. Appreciate him for coming through. That was a lot of fun. Episode one, man, I told you he was going to start with a bang. He wasn't playing no games. So MLS season is, is upon us very soon here. And uh, nobody better to have the time than Tom to break some stuff down. Now, I got to talk about the Super Bowl before I get out of here. Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs, Super Bowl champions, back-to-back, all that good stuff. The conversation has been a little weird, man, because we're their own thief of joy for ourselves because the narratives always have to be comparing and contrasting and is Mahomes the gold and Tom Brady this and Kelsey this and Gronk this. Just stop, man. Just stop and enjoy the moment. I thought the Super Bowl was good. I thought it was fun. And I know people did not like the game, especially in the first half, because it was very defensive. I enjoy defensive football. A lot of strategy behind that. Shout out to Steve Spagnolo. It's a lot of strategy behind that. I enjoyed the Patriots-Rams Super Bowl. That's probably biased. But you know what I mean? Mahomes is, is different. He's probably going to go down as one of the best quarterbacks we have ever seen as an athlete. Mahomes is not Tom Brady. Tom Brady is not Patrick Mahomes. And that conversation is a whole different conversation because it's very layered in terms of 
what they are as athletes, his mobility, his ability to get out of the pocket and make things happen. I don't really care about that. But stop pinning them together. Man. Mahomes has three Super Bowls already. And sure, he could win seven. He could win eight. He could win five. He could just win three and not win another one ever again. The trajectory is amazing that he's on. But let's chill with all the comparisons because the more we compare, it's just pointless. And it's, it's, it's robbing us, man. Because as a Patriots fan, and this is this part that gets me, as a Patriots fan, a lot of my fellow Patriots fan, friends are like, I hate the Chiefs. I hate Mahomes. That's hypocritical, bro. You hate him because he's being successful and he has the AFC and NFL in a headlock, which is exactly what Tom Brady did for 20-something years in Foxborough. So let's chill a little bit on that. Congrats once again to the Kansas City Chiefs. Amazing. I think in retrospect, you always break things down. And what could have been? I think the 49ers definitely coughed that Super Bowl up. But games always come down, and especially big games. They always come down to little moments. And the little moments, Dre Greenlaw popping his Achilles, running onto the field. You have the muff punt. You have the block extra point. There's these little things that happen. One aspect that wasn't little was the 49ers getting into overtime and not knowing the rules. And I'm sorry, Kyle Shanahan, if you want to slice this up any which way, but that's inexcusable, man. You have a team at the Super Bowl. Shout out to Brock Purdy, man. Mr. Irrelevant and makes it to the Super Bowl has a really good game. But once Spagnuolo switched things up on on defense for the Chiefs, it made it a little difficult for, for Purdy. And the 49ers played great def defensively as well. They just weren't getting what they needed on offense. And we know if you gave a player of Mahomes caliber time, he's going to make you pay for it. But you can't get to overtime and say, you know, we, didn't, we weren't aware of the rules. We didn't know really. I mean, the players said this. It wasn't like Shanahan was like, we talked about it as a coaching staff. But the players came on and said, we didn't even know until we saw it on the big screen at the stadium that the rules, like what the rules were, because the overtime rules changed. That's just inexcusable, man. And that's the stuff that hurts as a fan. Obviously, if you're a 49ers fan, you're going through it. But that is just like, man, you could think about all the stuff that I mentioned, little things that happened that changed the game. But that is bad. And Shanahan is looking funny in the light. Good coach, great coach. But he's gotten to that big stage a few times and not looking good for them. So that's my little take on the Super Bowl. Oh, one other thing. Tony Romo is absolutely wilding. I think I heard him on the broadcast say, like, Travis Kelsey is the best tight end to ever play the game. Just stop, man. Prisoners of the moment, we just got to chill a little bit. Enjoy. Like I said, appreciate the Chiefs for what they're doing. The run is crazy, and it could go on for a long time. But the league is stacked, man. The league is stacked. So we'll see what happens. And this is not me hating because I love Mahomes. I like what the Chiefs are doing. I'm not hating at all. It's just like you guys got to relax a little bit. And there is a guy called Rob Gronkowski, and there is also a guy named Tom Brady that kind of paved the way for this. I'm not the old man now, like, yo, get off my lawn type thing. But let's chill. Let's chill. Let's end this with the halftime show. Usher Raymond, of course, turned up, made it real Atlanta like we expected, which was super dope. Skating on a stage, which was, which that takes a lot of guts because skating, singing, and dancing is a wild mix in front of that many people on TV and in the stadium. Like one false move and it's over for you. You on the internet for the rest of your life. But you know, I should don't care about that. He also don't care about <laughs> Swiss beats because my boy was hugging on Alicia Keys. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is the My Boo video set. This is 2024, man. She got a whole husband and children. And then pictures, I'm like, yo, you a little, little extra tight. Alicia was smiling a little too much for me, but nah, it was dope. I thought the show was was really good for the Super Bowl, man. You a legend. 
with that many classics, you're just ringing them off. I think the problem was that a lot of times everybody's like, oh, we want to hear this song, and he had to cut to a different one because he has too many hits. So, but that's the that's the Super Bowl for you, man. You just gotta run through some hits. Uh having Luda up there was fire, Lil John, like I said, super Atlanta. Shout out to Jermaine Dupree, man. JD getting some some heat. People talking about they thought he was CeeLo Green. Y'all ain't right, bro. Y'all ain't right. Something wrong with y'all for real, man. But the Usher Super Bowl was fire. And yeah, I think that's gonna be it for episode one, man. Lil Wayne, they're saying Lil Wayne for the Super Bowl next year in, in New Orleans, which would be cool. Please stop talking about Drake. People tell me, oh, Lil Wayne brings Drake on. That's just, uh, we're getting too far ahead of ourselves now, but we don't, we don't, we don't need that. I'm going to just leave it at that. We don't need that. But yeah, man, Super Bowl 1, uh, Super Bowl 1, episode 1 in the books. This is almost an hour, and I did not want to go this long, but that's what happens when you're having fun, man. Please continue to show love. Thank you to everybody that did after the intro episode. It was it was very heartfelt. I definitely felt the love. Subscribe to the channel. Like the like the episode. Write a comment. Send me a message. We're going to be on Spotify. We're going to be on Apple Podcasts. So you have no excuse to consume the content, man. I make it easy for y'all. Make it easy for me and show me some love. That's all I got for y'all, man. Appreciate it. Kicking the rail. We out. Peace.